Central Division Hockey, the podcast, presents a team overview of the 2020-21 season for all eight of the teams that will make up the Central Division in 2021-22. This standalone edition is for the St. Louis Blues, a look back at our after-training camp prediction versus how the team did, team milestones, individual award nominees and winners, retirements, hirings and firings, if applicable, as well as the team grades for the GM, head coach, and players by position. Welcome to the 2020-21 season year-end team podcast for the St. Louis Blues presented by Central Division Hockey, the podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bigelow. We begin with the podcast after training camp prediction, third in the West Division, regular season results, 63 points, fourth in the West Division, postseason, lost to Colorado in the first round in a four-game sweep. I think it was absolutely the seven-game regular season impromptu set of games versus Arizona made possible by a needed schedule adjustment that made things clear for St. Louis. I had predicted St. Louis was going to be a half step back, if I remember the exact wording correctly, in the predictions just after training camp behind Colorado and Vegas. They would max out as a third place West Division team at most. That Arizona series made me realize that Minnesota, who I picked fourth, was better to be talked about with Colorado and Vegas, and how they finished is essentially that comfortable third spot. I think those that didn't have them in the mix battling for first rank, or maybe it was just me, but Minnesota was better than the good team I expected them to be. And what was clear early on is that St. Louis also wasn't a half step back as that Arizona series made clear. Yes, the one where after seven games, Arizona had a lead in the head-to-head series between the two teams. That's when I realized St. Louis would be lucky to get the final West Division playoff spot. And thanks largely to the other four teams that finished below St. Louis, they were able to. Call it the Kelly teams or traditional Pacific Division component minus Western Canada's teams. And that part of the West Division was weak ass compared to the other divisions St. Louis played down with those teams. So after getting used to just how far removed St. Louis was from being a cup contender and sorting through why, goalie Jordan Binnington held as close to form as he could with the bulk of the workload with an unseen drop in team defensive play. The barely used backup Huso win-loss record held enough in spite of a real stat drop-off after the departure of Jake Allen. The big injuries on defense didn't help, especially Colton Pareko, but truly it's an 8-D man that make up a 6D set for St. Louis. But you have to remember, take out Alex Petriangelo, the cornerstone, Jay Bomeister to retirement, and bottom pair Carl Gunnarsson, and the depth of the St. Louis D group was fully tested. It wasn't nearly as good as it has been in past seasons. Add, while St. Louis scored goals, it was being propped up by special teams. There was a drop in goal production from the defense group, and it was non-existent from the bottom six forward group, much like the 2020 playoff bubble that assisted in St. Louis having an early exit. That was also anticipated, and again, a lot of pundits, media, cite injuries. However, some of those injured forwards weren't contributing when they did play. I certainly agree the forward group had injuries as the main reason. 
most teams dealt with that and most teams had a larger than usual playing group or had to rely on organizational depth to get through the condensed schedule. That said, St. Louis had forward depth that regardless of who did play, there was an expectation or a NHL everyday capable level in that group of the regarded players playing that all still found a way to underachieve on how they played. The St. Louis goal scoring for the forwards fell into, dare we say, like Arizona, dependent on key top six guys with little secondary support scoring. All in all, the reason they were battling for their playoff lives was more because of poor team defense, inconsistent play, and most nights not playing to the St. Louis team identity. St. Louis allowed more goals allowed than they had in goals scored. To have one more would have meant to have scored more because it's certainly wasn't going to come from playing better team defense. I think coach Craig Berube tried to shake it up and find a consistency without success to find a way for the St. Louis team to get back to playing closer to their team identity. I think the leadership group that I saw in St. Louis played good individually, but they didn't elevate the team overall either. St. Louis played as good as where they finished. It isn't the core group that won the 2019 Stanley Cup, and it's moving away from that and not in a good way. If you put St. Louis's season all on injuries, just be prepared, I guess, to be disappointed more. If you have them as a bubble playoff team that needs a retool, you, to me, have a better grasp of where the St. Louis Blues are as a team really at right now and where they were last season. The expected first-round playoff sweep to Colorado by me was due to a continued poor attention to team defense like the regular season and overall getting away from St. Louis's own recognizable system play and team identity. For it to have suddenly appeared top to bottom through the St. Louis lineup would have been something of, without trying to curse, a surprise and nothing less. Not an expectation. It made me think if Dallas and St. Louis had swapped the division they were playing in, whether St. Louis would have been a playoff team in the Discover Central. My guess is they would have had to have had a better head-to-head versus Nashville than they did against Arizona in the West Division to have had a real slim chance to make the playoffs swapping divisions. It was a disappointing campaign for St. Louis and injuries contributed, but it doesn't explain how far off this team dropped from cup contender relevant to none in one year. They don't going forward belong in that cup contender conversation anymore, but I definitely tried all last year to repeatedly explain why, and the team games will be another complimentary piece in our year-end focus to that. Retirements in mid-December of last year, after 15 NHL seasons, forward Alex Steen at 36 announced his retirement, a decision based on degenerative spine injuries that held him limited to 55 regular season and four postseason games in 2019-20 season. Steen was a member of the 2019 St. Louis Stanley Cup winning team. He played over 1,000 NHL games, recording 622 points in 1,018 games played. Steen retired ranked fourth in games played, 764. 9th in goals, 195, 6th in assists, 301, and 5th in points, 496 for the St. Louis franchise. Steen is also 3rd all-time in postseason game played for St. Louis at 91 games played. He recorded 36 points in the postseason. Internationally, Steen won a silver medal with Sweden in the 2014 Olympics. A first-round, 24th overall NHL draft pick in 2002, Steen was acquired by St. Louis via trade in November 2008. 
You're listening to Central Division Hockey, the podcast, and our year-end focus podcast for St. Louis. When we return, the first team grades for the 2020-21 season for St. Louis. How would you like to come home to a bartender who will fix you any cocktail you want? I'll have an old-fashioned. I'll have a margarita. Now you can with the Bartesian Home Cocktail Maker. Bartesian is a sleek machine the size of a coffee maker that makes premium cocktails at the touch of a button. Choose from over 50 different cocktails, from classics to the most exotic premium cocktails served in the best bars today. You'll always get freshly mixed, perfectly balanced cocktails with the Bartesian Cocktail Maker. And now get Bartesian's best Black Friday deal ever at bartesian.com holiday. Entertaining? The Bartesian is ideal for parties. No need to stock all kinds of individual mixers for complicated recipes. Every guest gets the cocktail of their choice in seconds. The Bartesian makes a wonderful gift for anyone who loves a fine premium cocktail. Now get Bartesian's best Black Friday deal ever. It's available right now, only at bartesian.com holiday. That's B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com holiday for Bartesian's best deal ever. Only at bartesian.com holiday. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Welcome back to Central Division Hockey, the podcast and our 2020-21 year-end focus podcast for St. Louis for each of the eight teams that will make up the Central Division in 2021-22. We look back at the GM, coach, and players and give them a ranking for last season. It's what we call the team grades. About the formula, the coaching GM grades are out of 100%, as are the goaltending defense and forwards as individual groups. The goaltending was a tantum with a clear number one and a backup for St. Louis. The ratio for the overall goalie grade was done by game started. The D- Defense, well, at first I thought I was going to go with a heavier 5 of 6 based on time on ice. The bottom pair grouping really of four guys, and some games were equivalent to a true bottom pairing overall. Likewise, injuries meant that the fifth D-man actually played in the top four. The top pair is weighted extra. The next three D-men make up the rest of the top four. The remaining 15 minutes or undergroup become the pair mark scaled by time on ice for the weighted D-group final grade. The ratio really changes with each team to best reflect who actually played as best as possible. For example, more weight to the overall forward grade should be given to Ryan O'Reilly's performance than Kyle Clifford's by comparison because O'Reilly averaged 20 plus minutes a game, whereas Clifford averaged less than 10 minutes per game, who has the greater responsibility to impact the team's ability to win. GM Doug Armstrong. While GM Armstrong didn't exactly let cornerstone right-hand defenseman and captain Alex Petriangelo walk, he didn't do what Petro wanted to have stayed. His signing of left-hand defenseman Tory Krug as the next available option was bold. They aren't close to being the same player, and while the argument of a more balanced left-to-right defense, it was a downgrade. Likewise, last summer before the possibility of losing vet backup Jake Allen to the expansion draft, Armstrong dealt him. 
The performance of backup Billy Husel was also a personnel downgrade, as expected, for this past year. Otherwise, the group returned, reinforced, in the top six by forward acquisition Mike Kaufman to account for Vladimir Tarasenko starting the year on long-term injury reserve, as well as in the bottom six with that fourth-liner, Kyle Clifford, at a low cost. Alex Steen's retirement replacement is possibly be a way to look at that. Hoffman, however, didn't put up his Florida-like stats. He didn't play the same time on ice, to be fair, either. Tarasenko returned to play at least more than a third, more, but not half the regular season. St. Louis was sold that this team was going to, in fact, be better than the year before. Reality is, they barely made the playoffs. But the injuries, you say. That's a factor. However, St. Louis' defensive depth was exposed, and a lot of what we consider to be capable NHL quality forwards simply underperformed. The coach couldn't get the team to play more consistency, and that says something about the new player leadership group in place. That is the GM's personnel player choices. If the team was the anticipated expected half step back, not to the wire just to make the playoffs far off from what was to be a better team than the year prior, I could chalk the fall off to injuries. There was more to St. Louis's fall off and fourth place West Division and the subsequent first round four game sweep exit going on here. They were nowhere close to as good as the 2019-20 pause team that was leading the West Division in points, nor the 2019 Stanley Cup winning team. St. Louis were, as their record reflected, worse. 50 out of 100. Head coach Craig Berube, St. Louis finished well below the expectations most had for this team going into the season. In fairness, I expect the team to have had a drop from the cup contenders. Again, we talk about that half step. However, they were a bubble playoff team that made it into the playoffs in a division that had several weaker teams compared to other divisions. Did this group respond well to the injury challenges and were they consistent? St. Louis wasn't and Barubi attempted a lot of line combinations to try and get a spark out of this group. The defensively sound team game was not evident as it had been in previous years. While the team had notable departures and notable additions, the team identity and playing to its game and its game style was not as it had been during Barubi's tenure as coach prior. One thing about Barubi is he's intelligent and he doesn't mince words. The team's overall play, he clearly wasn't happy with. His expectations weren't being met, and he was the first to say it, and he also couldn't find the answers to correct it with the lineup decisions he made. And I don't want to just say it was attention to detail. The overall system play of St. Louis was not to the expected level. Even in injury, while less so on defense, where St. Louis was exposed stepwise, the forwards available were NHL-capable players, even if it was a longer list of them and it was as a group propped up by several individual players, but there were also way too many passengers through the course of the year. My late assessment was less harsh on Barubi because I came to the conclusion that it was the player leadership group that while no one could question their leadership by example in their quality of play, it also did not bring the group up as a whole. The team defensive play because of not playing St. Louis's system structure consistently had the team exactly collectively where they absolutely deserve to be. Injuries and Jordan Bennington's play may have saved Barubi's job 
job this past season, but if the disconnect between the new player leadership group and the coach continues into next season, it's Berube who exits before the players do. 68 out of 100. Long-term injury reserve, all-star forward Vladimir Tarasenko began this past season on LTIR and returned to play, while defenseman Carl Gunnarsson was placed on LTIR during this past season. Goal. Jordan Bennington, 2.65 goals against average, a 9-10 save percentage, 41 games started, 18-14 and 8 record, 0 shutout, 108 goals against. Spinner's stats were comparable this past season to the year before his goals against 2.65, a drop from 2.56 in 9 less games started. His save percentage almost equal at 9-10 from 9-12. The team defense in front of Bennington wasn't near what it was in comparison, and it really mostly reflects in the win-loss record down from a 30 win to 18 win total while his losses and overtime shootout losses combined were both a game more he didn't record a shutout will he be a 50 plus game workhorse is still also an unknown he certainly showed consistency in the condensed schedule as the go-to goalie for losses in the postseason with a 3.95 goals against average and an 899 save percentage and 14 goals against Benner also signed a long-term extension with St. Lewis before the regular season ended. 73 out of 100. Billy Huso, a 3.21 goals against average, 8.893 save percentage, 15 games started, 9-6-1. Record, one shutout, 49 goals against. Huso's goals against and save percentage dropped significantly from his American Hockey League stats in both goals against average and save percentage. His American Hockey League 2.56 goals against average and 909 save percentage weren't maintained at the NHL level. He wasn't consistent as a backup in spite of it. He did have a winning record and after St. Louis had clinched the final West playoff spot, he had the team's only shutout when the pressure was off. It wasn't like having Jake Allen playing backup, not even close. Huso's stats mirror closer to Chicago's Malcolm Subban from this year. Neither were quality NHL backups this past year. A key difference, Huso, unlike Subban, had a winning record, 43 out of 100. Overall, 63.6 out of 100 weighted. Jordan Bennington took the workload in the shortened season and kept his goals against and saved percentage respectable while the team defense wasn't anywhere close by comparison to the previous years. There were nights it felt like Bennington was just left hung out to dry. Billy Huso couldn't replace vet goalie Jake Allen traded in the offseason prior to the season started. However, he was below the league average for goalies and struggled through a lot of starts, more so than his American Hockey League numbers would have suggested. It's to say Huso had earned an opportunity to get an NHL look. He didn't show he could be a reliable backup and St. Louis is used to having that. In fairness, the conditions of the team defense weren't in place in the 2020-21 season compared to the 2019-20 season, but neither goalie was playing above expectation to have St. Louis win more regular season games. To be with the cup contending teams even in the West Division, St. Louis, however, this past year required that type of goaltending to stay in that conversation. Bennington helped sneak them into the playoffs in a weak division after the top three teams. Defense, Justin Falk, 24 minutes 16 seconds average time on ice 56 games played seven goals 18 assists 25 points 87 block shots a plus minus plus 11 at approximately four minutes more average time on ice in 13 less games played this past season Falk had two goals more and an additional seven assists adding nine more points he led the team in time on ice and goals for demon and was second in points he also led the st louis defense in block shots but at 87 those would be second best on most other nhl teams but 
shot team defense was an issue and the block shot metric as a spot you can notice it in. The elevated time on ice was to compensate for the time missed by Pareko in part and the departure of Alex Petriangelo in the offseason. Those are next to impossible skates to fill, especially from a defensive zone, not offensive standpoint. Falk did it mostly on the offensive side. There is a difference. A high hit by Colorado Sonsome Country limited Falk to two postseason games. He was pointless and had one block shot in the two games played. 80 out of 100. Tory Krug, 22 minutes, 33 seconds average time on ice, 51 games played, 2 goals, 30 assists, 32 points, 57 block shots, plus minus plus 11. Krug's average time on ice was up 2 minutes from the season prior in Boston. In 10 less games played this past regular season, his goals fell by 7 while he added 10 less assists. Krug still led St. Louis defenseman in points, 7 points ahead of Falk in 5 less games played while getting used to his new team in less than ideal circumstances from the man games law. The offensive game, like Falk, is what you can cite as value with Krug. Still, Krug, it was expected, would score more goals. Meanwhile, it was not comparable as good in a defensive zone. Both Krug and Falk's point production do help their plus-minus numbers, both plus 11. Playing with a previous Selkie winner, center, also did help balance those. Krug, with more points than Falk, less block shots, and the same plus-minus, balanced them to be about equal. Krug had a D-group high, nine block shots, and to assist in four postseason games, averaging over 24 minutes time on ice per game. 80 out of 100. Colton Pareko, 21 minutes, 20 seconds. Average time on ice, 32 games played, two goals, 10 assists, 12 points, 64 block shots, plus minus, minus two. Pareko missed 24 games and played the first 16 he did play, not 100%. His time on ice at a minute, 40 seconds per game less than the regular season prior. To me, only Pareko could fill Petro's departure as the cornerstone guy. He wasn't at full health to do it. The second part, better asked, is while Pareko was filling Petrangelo's spot, who then was essentially filling his? Krug? That's a big reason for the team defense drop. Petro gone and Pareko isn't healthy most of the year to cornerstone this St. Louis D group and play less time on ice than he did when Petro was with the team the year prior. Pareko also saw his goal production drop. He was tied for second in block shots for St. Louis D men in the fewest games played of the top four guys. He finishes first on the team and block shots playing the full schedule. Pareko's lost injury is the key one this past season for St. Louis. One assist, six block shots while leading St. Louis D-men in time on ice at 25 minutes, 48 seconds average per game in four postseason games, 75 out of 100. Marco Scandella, 19 minutes, 57 seconds average time on ice, 49 games played, three goals, six assists, nine points, 64 block shots, a plus minus plus 14. Scandella's time on ice is over two minutes more per game average this past regular season from the year prior. He had fewer goals, assists, and points, but by four points, he also played 13 less games to explain why. He led the D group in plus-minus at plus 14 while missing seven games played. Scandella was more so than done the fourth D-man of St. Louis's top four, but a lot of nights, he was the number three D-man in Pareko's absence. Valuable two-way guy who, like it seems everyone but Pareko because of injury, played more time on ice average in this top four, and in fairness, it seemed all 
of this D groups. Top end was a stretch to its limits, time on ice wise with mixed results, Scandella included. Four postseason games played, zero points, four block shots in 19 and a half average time on ice minutes per game, 70 out of 100. Vince Dunn, 19 minutes, 15 seconds, average time on ice, 43 games played, six goals, 14 assists, 20 points, 51 block shots, a plus minus minus eight. Dunn's time on ice is top four worthy, again injuries a part of it. The other is St. Louis often went with five heavy minute D-men when the right hand D was stacked with Petro, Pareko, and Falk. This year the left hand D was Krug, Scandella, and Dunn. Minute wise it kind of just flipped while being deployed similarly when all five were able to play. Dunn's time on ice increased a second shy of three minutes per game. He played 18 less games and had three fewer goals. The D group's goal production is down across the board with the St. Louis team. Defensively, Dunn struggled most as his plus minus minus eight reflects of the D-men over the 19 plus minute mark. He did play a lot of top four because of injuries. He still played near top four minutes otherwise. Missed postseason due to injury. 67 out of 100. Robert Botuzo, 14 minutes, 10 seconds average time on ice, 40 games played, one goal, four assists, five points, 49 block shots, a plus minus minus three. Vet Bortuzzo as a bottom pair guy, especially in the absence of Pareko, most brought needed physicality. His 85 hits, second only to Falk among St. Louis D-men. I'd rather get hit by Falk personally instead. Also, Bortuzzo averaged 10 minutes less per game time on ice to do it. He had a minute more average time on ice, played two fewer games in the season prior with comparable point totals. Bortuzzo's vet bottom pair partner Gunnarsson was out and also Pareko's injury affected playing with, let's say, Dunn as a partner while Dunn played top four. Simply, it all starts to add up. Bertuzzo missed 16 games played as well, being the best six D-men available. Five block shots and pointless in two postseason games played in less than 13 minutes average time on ice. 65 out of 100. Nico Mikola, 14 minutes, 31 seconds average time on ice. 30 games played, one goal, two assists, three points, 36 block shots, a plus minus minus 11. Rookie Mikola is 25, so he is actually just into his prime years while cracking this St. Louis blue line in a bottom pair capacity because of injuries this past year. He also only has two years AHL experience playing the North American game while otherwise playing in Finland. He showed good adjustment and was adequate in a bottom six role. It also just a touch of games at 30 this year over where I'm comfortable grading a player at and it's to his AHL years prior essentially. Mikola got an addition for the role he wants to snag as both the injured Gunnarsson and Bortuzzo, both 30-plus players, now get older. He is not defensively as good as those vets are currently to be playing ahead of them, but he is close to a 7th D-man for injury situations as he was used a lot for this past year. Played all four postseason games, one assist, seven block shots in just under 15 minutes, average time on ice per game, 55 out of 100. Jake Wallman, 14 minutes, 28 seconds, average time on ice, 24 games played, one goal, one assist, two points, 20 block shots, minus seven, plus minus. Another rookie prospect, Wallman, is also 25 now. Injuries have made him less available as well to seeing playing time in the St. Louis lineup. When he did in comparable minutes to Mikola, he was actually more impactful in his two-way game. There is more goal production upside with Wallman by comparison, but here's the thing. Neither are ready to jump to play top four minutes yet. They may never cap out as more than bottom pair players. My big question on Wallman is his durability. He played 66 games at the AHL in San Antonio in 
2018-19, 57 the next year. Having played U.S. college prior, is he going to develop to play a full NHL schedule's demands? He hasn't shown yet he can. Think about this. Wallman was a rookie. He is also slightly older than Dunn, who at least has proven he can play at the NHL level. Wallman's step up on his potential needs to be sooner than later. One postseason game played, 15 minutes, 24 seconds average time on ice. No points. 55 out of 100. Overall, 70.8 out of 100 weighted twofold issue. Injuries and most notably Pareko during the regular season impacted the depth of this group. A bottom pair vet, 12 games in, was also lost for the rest of the season. Falk was the only St. Louis D-man to appear in all the regular season games. He, of course, because of a high hit by Caudry, didn't finish the postseason. It's to say, if you combine both seasons, no one played every game for St. Louis on defense. 11 D-men did dress, a 20-plus game guys for a 6-D set. That can be cited as contributing factor to the team defense from the D-group drop from the year prior. The second issue, losing Petrangelo in free agency and bringing in Krug, weren't equal in their skill sets. Petro was a cornerstone and captain, while Krug wasn't asked to be that, he simply won't be that either. Not a knock on Krug being a top four caliber NHL regular, but with injuries, it also meant less continuity and a D-group makeup that wasn't as good defensively as it was in prior years. You can add Bo Meester's retirement as part of that explanation as well. St. Louis was tested on its D-depth and a new look deployment, and it wasn't better. However, by time on ice, Krug and Falk, seen as the top pair, did provide quality minutes, and that still deserves to be factored in. The two issues combined to take a cup-contending team and have it a bubble playoff team in a mostly weak West Division, and that's a drop-off from depth and performance after the top pair and less team defense that involves the forwards defensive play as well as the defenseman group. Ungraded D-Dap, Carl Gunnarsson, 14 minutes, 26 seconds, average time on ice, 12 games played, 2 assists, 2 points, 16 block shots, a plus minus minus 2. Late February, Gunnarsson sustained a knee injury versus LA and was ruled out for the rest of the regular season. Avanna 34 is a proven NHL caliber bottom pair defenseman. It was still a big loss to a St. Louis group that would have relied on Gunnarsson because of additional D-group injuries and he was as well unavailable. Steven Santini 14 minutes average time on ice three games played one assist one point two block shots a plus minus plus one. A few games St. Louis had a lot of regulars out of the defensive group that offseason free agent signing Santini saw game action. He came over after Nashville bought out his contract while he played in the American Hockey League after coming over as part of the Nashville deal for P.K. Subban. 119 career NHL games, he has mostly been a call-up that hasn't been able to stick as an NHL regular defenseman. He also played two postseason games, had three block shots, no points in 14 minutes, 16 seconds average time on ice. Mitch Rinke, nine minutes, 19 seconds average time on ice, one game played, no points, one block shot, a plus minus, minus one. 25-year-old Rinke played a playoff game, game three in limited minutes for an absolutely depleted St. Louis D group that had regulars Krug, Perenko, and Scandella only available. 
Forwards, top six, Ryan O'Reilly, 20 minutes, 45 seconds, average time on ice, 56 games played, 24 goals, 30 assists, 54 points, four power play goals, a plus minus plus 26. O'Reilly was St. Louis's only 20 plus goal scorer at 24 this past season, double his regular season total from the year prior in 15 less games played. He added 30 helpers down from 49 the year prior. Still, he was closer to a point per game in production. He also led the team in plus minus at plus 26, plus 12 better than Scandella, who was second on the team. He kept his 56.8 faceoff win percentage, almost a mirror image of the prior campaign, and was fifth in Selkie voting because the new St. Louis captain, while leading by exemplary example, didn't do one thing. He didn't get his team to play anywhere as good as he did individually. Four postseason games played, three assists in 21 minutes, seven seconds average time on ice. O'Reilly's regular season didn't translate to the postseason. Not having Perron would have contributed to that. 88 out of 100. David Perron, 18 minutes, 33 seconds average time on ice, 56 games played, 19 goals, 39 assists, 58 points, 6 power play goals, plus minus, plus 6. Perron just missed the 20 goal mark by a goal. 25 the year prior in 15 less games played. I think in the same games played, he would have matched the total. His assists in less games played were higher in just 14 seconds average more time on ice per game. Perron was a point per game player and led St. Louis in assistant points. At $4 million per, he would represent great production for his salary. He, with O'Reilly, were the two forward regular season standouts on a St. Louis forward group that had very few of them. Perron did not play a postseason game landing on the COVID list just as the series was set to begin 85 out of 100. Braden Chen, 19 minutes, 9 seconds, average time on ice, 56 games played, 16 goals, 20 assists, 36 points, 6 power play goals, a plus minus minus 2. Chen was another 25 goal scorer the year prior to last season where he netted 16 goals, also playing 15 less games. His time on ice average was up half a minute more. His faceoff win percentage up 3% to a 52.3%. His average per game goal production was down in a year the team needed it to be up or or at least equivalent to what it was. And he also had more of a rotation than set line mates, and that may have contributed to the dip. Shen had more of a dip than a drop in his play on the point production. He was without Schwartz 16 games as well. Four postseason games, one goal in 19 minutes, 34 seconds, average time on ice, 74 out of 100. Jaden Swartz, 17 minutes, 42 seconds, average time on ice, 40 games played, 8 goals, 13 assists, 21 points, a plus minus plus 2, 20 plus goal score. Schwartz fell to 8 goals this past regular season and 40 games played, and missed games played related to a lower body injury. He was less impactful when he was in the lineup for point production, but not playing awful either defensively. Schwartz was getting paid $5 million plus for last season, and he, like a lot of others, didn't score as often, especially for the time on ice he played. An unexpected down year in a contract year as well. That's the time you expect a guy while playing for a new deal to like the lamp and Schwartz had the time on ice to be able to. Four postseason games played, pointless, 18 minutes, 27 seconds, time on ice per game, 65 out of 100. Mike Hoffman, 15.04 average time on ice, 52 games played, 17 goals, 19 assists, 36 points, 7 power play goals, plus minus plus 2. Hoffman finishes third in team scoring 
Irving, signing as the only notable free agent top six forward added to the St. Louis roster. 17 goals below the 29 goals in 69 games played and 36 goals in the 82 games played while with Florida in back-to-back prior seasons. Too much expectation to score more simply and he also just felt out of place in the St. Louis lineup. Also, given his time on ice was a minute 45 seconds less average time on ice per game from last season with St. Louis to the season before with Florida, that's worth mentioning. His time on ice average is low for a top six player. He led St. Louis in power play goals with seven. Four postseason games played one goal, 15.35 average time on ice, 76 out of 100. Jordan Cairo, 14 minutes, 25 seconds average time on ice, 55 games played, 14 goals, 21 assists, 35 points, a plus minus plus one. A breakthrough campaign for the speedy Cairo is the lone bright spot in the St. Louis lineup and top six. Ten more goals while playing up the lineup as a regular. He had four goals a year prior in 28 games played and three and a half less minutes average time on ice. Still, his time on ice isn't a true top six player for the year at 14 minutes, 25 seconds. He did spend time this season playing top six. His point production mirrors Shen's having played four and a half minutes less time on ice average as well. That's really where you can see how impactful Kairou was. It was also five on five goal production, all of it. 75 out of 100. Vladimir Tarasenko, 17 minutes, 25 seconds average time on ice, 24 games played four goals 10 assists 14 points a plus minus minus seven missing the beginning of the season and games near the end of the regular season re-aggravating an injury Tarasenko did play 24 games in the regular season after playing four in the bubble playoff in 2020 then shutting it down because of an injury after missing the end of the regular season after only 10 games played where he was a point per game player he is a 30 to 40 goal scorer in five straight seasons up until the 2019 season, pretty much the most dynamic, game-changing skill forward on St. Louis. He didn't look the part upon his return and still put up points, just not as many as were used to him scoring. Four postseason games played, two goals, 16 minutes, 59 seconds average time on ice, 75.5 out of 100. Overall, 77.5 out of 100 weighted while the team's top two centers, O'Reilly and Chen, played the full 56 regular season games. Only Perron as a winger joined them. Schwartz at 40 games played, missed 16. Tarasenko missed 32 games played to only play 24, yet his average time on ice is legitimately top six value when he did play. You can't have seven guys make up a team's top six in reality, and I have seven guys listed here. Hoffman played 52 games, but Kairou 55 games. There wasn't a set top six group. You can make a good case for Kairou or Hoffman deserving the sixth spot. Tarasenko's inclusion in limited games also needs to occur. The trade-off was this. The seven are three games over the total games that six players, all playing 56 games played, would. Tarasenko and Schwartz played the least, so the grade reflects that. Having explained that now, and additionally, Bozak and Sanford being put into the bottom six leads me to two points. The bulk of St. Louis scoring was from the top 
six, whomever you decided to put in it. Whomever you do is capable of playing top six, including a pair of players not included. While Schwartz had a down year, the addition of Hoffman to bolster the top six goal scoring as a group does somewhat balance it out. St. Louis should have collectively been better throughout the forward group based on the depth St. Louis has, and other than Hoffman, it's not like they hadn't played together. This forward group roster didn't lose anyone except for time lost to injury. It added one top six or middle six guy, Hoffman, and had a breakout campaign from Cairo, yet it still seemed to work out relative that the secondary scoring bottom six that didn't exist was needed for St. Louis to win more games. Bottom six, Tyler Bozak, 14 minutes, 55 seconds, average time on ice, 31 games played, 5 goals, 12 assists, 17 points, plus minus minus 3. Bozak is in the top nine, but able to play top six, and was missed, I think, most on the penalty kill. His goal production was more than half from the year prior, but so was his games played. Bozak represents one of the two St. Louis players from the bottom six that injuries weren't replaced by the next guy up in St. Louis. At 35, when he returned from injury, he still seemed a solid third line choice to play not fourth line with this St. Louis lineup. His salary though was still top six worthy and in fairness his injury was an away from the puck dirty play as Vegas's Mark Stone hit him and that's what shut him down. Worst hit I saw all season anyone take 68 out of 100. Zach Sanford, 14 minutes, 53 seconds, average time on ice, 52 games played, 10 goals, 6 assists, 16 points, a plus, minus, minus 13. Sanford, I expected to move downward in the lineup with Hoffman being signed. The two players were 11 seconds apart in average time on ice, and Sanford was up a minute more per game from the regular season before last year. In six less games played in that regular season, he did have six less goals on a team needing secondary scoring, but he did reach double digits the only player in the St. Louis bottom six to do so. He did play some top six during the season. Still, his plus minus minus 13 was a team worst, and he is in his prime playing years. Still needed more from him in his play, especially offensively, 60 out of 100. Robert Thomas, 13 minutes, 36 seconds, average time on ice, 33 games played, three goals, nine assists, 12 points, plus minus, plus one. Thomas was in the conversation to be playing top six as the regular season started. He played half the games of the regular season prior and he stayed true to his three to one assist ratio in order to score double digits he needs to play every game his time on ice dropped by a minute that was largely due to his decision making when he did play a pair of injuries kept him out the second setback entirely by his poor decision making as well at 22 thomas is still developing as a player and that's a good thing and st louis needs to put him with a natural goal score that he can build chemistry with like O'Reilly and Perron have already developed. 50 out of 100. Ivan Barbashev, 13 minutes, 21 seconds, average time on ice, 38 games played, 5 goals, 7 assists, 12 points, plus minus plus 5. Barbashev had ankle surgery late February and returned the beginning of April. At 25, he managed the same time on ice as the season prior where he played 31 more games
games and was a double-digit goal scorer. He missed 18 games played of the shortened season and was on pace to have scored less, but it was a slight fall-off. His two-way game was missed because he is defensively good as his plus five, the best of the bottom six, plus minus wise for St. Louis this year shows you. He is just versatile and plays with his size consistently in limited time on ice. He is another player who wasn't able by playing to have contributed more, but he was otherwise just adequate when he was 53 out of 100. Sammy Blay, 12 minutes, 4 seconds, average time on ice, 36 games played, 8 goals, 7 assists, 15 points, plus minus 0. Blay was put up into the top 6 to try and spark offense at one point of the past season. In a way, it did briefly. I just didn't understand the promotion up the lineup when he wasn't very good in the bottom 6. However, as he potted some Dave Anderchuk garbage net front goals, St. Louis desperately needed them. In 40 games played, he had six goals the year prior to last, so he added two goals in four last games played. Question is, does Blay make the starting 12 St. Louis forward group this past year if everyone is healthy? He's still inconsistent and he's now in his prime. I still think of him as almost an NHL everyday regular, more of a 13th forward. I think most people think he already is. 55 out of 100. Oscar Sundquist, 15 minutes, 9 seconds average time on ice, 28 games played, 4 goals, 5 assists, 9 points, plus minus minus 6. A torn ACL in Sunquist's left knee ended his season mid-March. Even with more time on ice, just under a minute more per game, he was down on his goal and point production. 12 goals, 23 points in 57 games played to his 4 goals, 9 points in 28 games played. Even so, at the time of his injury, he looked to be playing the best of the bottom 6 group. His stats didn't reflect it, and it does go to point out the larger collective of players here needed Sunquist included to do more when they were in the lineup. His average time on ice was five seconds more than Hoffman's per game, 52 out of 100. Kyle Clifford, 9 minutes, 56 seconds, average time on ice, 50 games played, 4 goals, 3 assists, 7 points, plus minus minus 5. Clifford came as advertised, a fourth line vet that added some limited depth scoring in limited minutes, 2 minutes less per game than he had in Toronto LA combined the previous season as an average. Again, even in injury, St. Louis had NHL capable players to play, and Clifford didn't exceed expectations. No one in this bottom six St. Louis group did. Was he terrible? No. Did it provide an uptick to the team's overall ability to win games by making the fourth line better or making his linemates better? No. A move that is more of the same player that has the bottom six giving up more goals than it scores, 50 out of 100. Mackenzie McEckard, 9 minutes, 42 seconds, average time on ice, 21 games played, 1 goal, 1 assist, 2 points, plus, minus, plus 3. On my St. Louis step chart, McEckard is the 16th best available forward to start from last regular season. He was in 20-plus games played. He played 51 games the year prior and had 7 goals, averaging 45 seconds less time on ice per game. To me, he is the only bubble NHL player of the St. Louis forward group that played just enough to be graded. He also would have played more if he wasn't on injured reserve himself. To me, that's an organizational overvaluation of what he brings. He fits the St. Louis player formula, but there is limited value in playing him over anyone with some more offensive upside when your team struggles to generate 5-on-5 secondary scoring. 
45 out of 100. Overall, 55.4 out of 100 weighted. Keeping in mind, I put seven forwards in St. Louis's top six when only six can play on the top two lines, and St. Louis still had eight players with 20 games played or more for the remaining bottom two lines, but only two of that group played at least 50 or more games. The combined ungraded forward group doesn't total 50 games played. That tells me with the only new bottom six edition, Kyle Clifford, these guys who have played together didn't play well together when they were available to play together. Underachieving collectively while the team didn't have a solidified top six, the uptick to get St. Louis into the playoffs was bolstered by their power play being six best league-wide, not St. Louis's secondary scoring. And we can talk about injuries, but let's also talk about the bigger issue of an overall contribution when those players were able to play. You can't blame it all on injuries. It's not like St. Louis dressed nine forwards each night instead of 12. With the exception of McEachern, I graded 14 players on the forward group, 15 with him included, for 12 spots that I'm sure if I did a poll, the consensus would be that list of 14 would all be considered capable NHL regulars of the 15 that played for St. Louis the most this year. The sum is greater than equal to the parts, right? Not in St. Louis for their forward group this past season. Ungraded forward depth, Jacob Delarose, 10 minutes, 12 seconds average time on ice, 13 games played, one assist, one point, plus minus minus two. De La Rose was on injured reserve in late February through mid-March. He bounced back and forth from the active roster to the taxi squad otherwise, and also didn't find a way to stay in the lineup when his number was called. I still, depth chart wise, had him ahead of McEachern, but St. Louis didn't agree when we look at his limited usage this past year. Dakota Joshua, 8 minutes 58 seconds average time on ice, 12 games played, 1 goal, 1 point, a plus minus minus 3. At 25, Joshua went through U.S. College to the ECHL, East Coast League, to the American Hockey League, to seeing 12 games played for St. Louis at the NHL level. A fifth round drop pick, now in the St. Louis organization via trade. He scored his first NHL goal, the one point that he had this year, brought some much-needed energy, a word I've yet to describe anyone on the St. Louis bottom six with, and made an impression to be remembered. Nathan Walker, 13 minutes, 30 seconds, average time on ice eight games played one goal one point plus minus minus four walker saw limited action in an attempt to add some scoring to the st louis lineup he had a goal in eight games played he was just shy of 20 goals the two previous seasons playing in the american hockey league it wasn't enough to keep him in the lineup and i really had to search to get the game logs to figure out his time on ice per game average myself he was so houdini like once he was sent down again be interested to see if he pops up again UK-born player who grew up in Australia, 27-year-old, safe to call him a journeyman, now with three career NHL goals in 25 games played with three NHL teams. Clem Costin, 13 minutes, 48 seconds, average time on ice, two games played, one assist, one point, plus minus minus one. First round, 31st overall, 2017 pick for St. Louis, played two games after playing 43 in the KHL near the end of the NHL regular season. He has an offensive upside, and at least St. Louis was aware it was needed getting him into games. He was noticeable, and for playing only a couple games, that's important. Costin is only 22. He will develop more. 
Austin Pogansky. Seven minutes, 34 seconds average time on ice. Five games played, no points, plus minus, minus one. Pogansky, 25, played five regular season games in a very limited average time on ice. The fourth round, 2014 pick of St. Louis. I actually don't remember him playing, and I watched the games. That's not a good or bad thing, because while he may not have stood out as promising, he also didn't stand out as being out of place either. He is about a half point per game player at the American Hockey League level since finishing U.S. College and has the size attributes St. Louis likes for their team system. Forward group overall, 70 out of 100 weighted. The overall grade tried to acknowledge the top six regulars with extra time on ice while putting the ratio of the lower minute top six guys into a ratio fitting with the 12-15 minute bottom six guys and that's the majority of this roster's deployment and a small portion or essentially a roster spot representing a low playing minute player. Taking St. Louis's graded 15 forwards and making it 12 positional spots. Top six scoring drove the St. Louis offense and the majority of under expected goals from the bottom six. But keep in mind the single digit goal scorers weren't just six but totaled eight players because of man game lost. They underachieved individually but if we put those eight players goal production just for six guys maybe there would be more double digit guys amongst them. It's more spread out because Sanford, the lone 10-plus goal guy, player in the bottom six group, actually is also only one of the group to play 50-plus games. That's why the overall number turned out where it did. When I indicated a drop in expected goal production from a specific player, one thing I used was looking at the previous regular season goal totals versus games played and comparing it to the past season as one of the ways to project how a player did essentially against his own career NHL stats. That's the other reason I didn't say it was simply not playing. The goals scored when a number of the players did was down while in a lot of instances the time on ice for them per game was up when they did play. Overall team player grade 68.1 out of 100. Final thoughts. St. Louis is the fourth team of the eight 2020-21 season reviews for the teams that will make up the NHL Central Division that Arizona joins this season. I will continue the season reviews next with Nashville. In addition to the team-focused year-end podcast, there will be complimentary team-focused podcast, a free agency St. Louis team podcast. Each team in the Central Division will have one that looks at the players we just graded who are potentially unrestricted free agents, restricted free agents, or potentially traded if they haven't been before we even get to free agency. Sammy Blay for St. Louis is one of those players. You have to think of the year-end podcast as a roster look at the year that was, the basis for Central Division Hockey, the podcast opinion for each team for the expansion draft, the NHL draft, and free agency are based to follow off the team review for each one. I will build off from this point. That's why while trades have occurred for some teams that will be included in the next podcast for each team, those are essentially the start of next year's changes already in progress. Remember, the podcast goes in-depth for eight teams, not one.
would you like to come home to a bartender who will fix you any cocktail you want? I'll have an old-fashioned. I'll have a margarita. Now you can with the Bartesian Home Cocktail Maker. Bartesian is a sleek machine the size of a coffee maker that makes premium cocktails at the touch of a button. Choose from over 50 different cocktails, from classics to the most exotic premium cocktails served in the best bars today. You'll always get freshly mixed, perfectly balanced cocktails with the Bartesian Cocktail Maker. And now get Bartesian's best Black Friday deal ever at bartesian.com slash holiday. Entertaining? The Bartesian is ideal for parties. No need to stock all kinds of individual mixers for complicated recipes. Every guest gets the cocktail of their choice in seconds. The Bartesian makes a wonderful gift for anyone who loves a fine premium cocktail. Now get Bartesian's best Black Friday deal ever. It's available right now, only at bartesian.com holiday. That's B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com holiday for Bartesian's best deal ever. Only at bartesian.com holiday. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.